it's a particularly masculine thing to do to go stand in front of your tribe. Sticking up for what is right is the battle worth having. And there's something infectious about the truth. And there's something infectious about freedom. Personal accountability reliance on no one. Every family is better with a strong, dangerous, caring male. It doesn't mean being violent. It doesn't mean being abusive. And the thing about being a man, a virtuous man, is because you can commit violence and you choose to be compassionate, that's virtue. A man in the face of fire stands his ground firm, projects calm and strength. Why? Because cooler heads always prevail. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou, and we've got a very special guest uh, lined up for you today. This gentleman has become a friend of mine. Um, he's a very thoughtful man. He's an entrepreneur. He's a business owner. He is one of the people that helps me indulge in my favorite pastime, which is collecting knives. This is one of the beautiful knives that he and his fabulous wife, Amy, have made for me. And uh, I'm talking about the one and only Greg Medford, Medford Knife and Tool. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hey, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. So, Greg, you've been on my business show, and we had a very powerful and thoughtful conversation on that show. And um, you and I have become friends over the, the last few years. I've become a customer of yours. We've talked a little bit about politics, culture, business. And We've also talked about the state of the world, the state of the family, and the state of men and masculinity. And we here on the Sovereign Man podcast, we've created a movement. We call it the Sovereign Man movement. And our movement is about helping men become masculine again. Today, men are being crapped on all over the place. They're being told they're bad, they're wrong, there's patriarchy, there's toxic masculinity, which is a misandrous term if there ever was one. And this movement is aimed at showing men, hey, it's, it's not only okay to be a man, be proud of being a man. And we're going to give you the tools and equip you with what you need to do in order to be successful as a man. And we bring great guests like you to help think through some of the issues that men are facing today. So first of all, thank you for being here. Maybe you could start off just by giving a brief overview of your background and, and your backstory. And then let's dive right into what you see as some of the issues that are being faced in the West by men, by society. Well, I'm a Patriotic American, raised by a second generation Greek, French, and Irish immigrants. And uh, I believe, uh, you know, wherever we create ourselves is our home and our nation, not where we came from. I have no allegiance to Ireland, Greece, or France, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I find them interesting, but nothing more than that. Um, Everybody in my bloodline all the way back, as far as we know, has all served in the military and volunteered. Not that that gives us any special quality or any significance over anybody else, but we've always been mindful of our country and service. It also, it's a particularly masculine thing to do to go stand in front of your tribe. I recommend 
I feel sorry for men who uh, didn't get a chance to go in the military and somebody along the way or some inkling in the back of their mind or their mommy told them not to. But I think every man uh, in the West, if they go stand to post and learn to shoot, stick up for their country, even if they never have to fire a weapon in hostility, the act of giving yourself to that notion is pretty empowering the rest of your life. I sit in a room of uh, powerful guys and generally speaking, I'm the only dude in there who's, you know, gone out with an infantry company into a battle theater with a loaded rifle and done my thing. Um, and if not, then I'm the only guy that started my own company and cut my own way. You know, it's one of those things. If, I, mm. if I've got some veterans and maybe I'm the, there's, you set yourself apart and you get out in front of the crowd. You know, we were talking about this and there's so many little misrepresentations that we hear permeating our culture, but really what it's from the entire West has a problem. And the problem is we have uncoupled in our post enlightenment, you know, we, we, the middle ages and the dark ages, and we were all into mysticism and mythology and, and, uh, and, and superstition. And we were burning people at the stake over superstition. Yeah. You know, how, dare, how dare you say the earth isn't the center of the universe? And then uh, we went to the Enlightenment age. And this was the, the age of reason where we abandoned superstition and we embraced rationality and we embraced empiricism and that which can be measured and shown and proven. And we are now in a, I would call a post-Enlightenment age where what you say doesn't have to be coupled to facts what you learn your degree it doesn't need to be tested with empiricism we have what thomas sewell calls uncoupled intellectualism right it's intellectualism uncoupled from the reality yes. and i think it's the core of our problem because the reality is that every family is better with a strong dangerous caring male and every man goes through life better dangerous you know people don't fuck with me ever because they're like that guy might hit me they, you probably they, would i haven't i haven't hit anybody in a long time but i think there's an instinctual thing because that, 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 that guy might i don't think that guy cares if i get too sassy he might just pop me there's a little thing in the back it's why you don't stare at somebody else's wife or their woman right you're like, i don't want to i don't want to get into it with somebody Life is better when you're dangerous. It doesn't mean being violent. It doesn't mean being abusive. Being dangerous is good. And uh, I'm not, the day that I'm not dangerous, I, I fear, I, I'm scared of the day I'm not dangerous. We all are. Why do you think guys dye their facial hair? Why do you think guys um, taking, why do you think one in three guys is on testosterone in the United States? That's there, why I, that's they, why I collect they, these puppies. <laughs> there's little there's these little talismans to connect us to being dangerous. Because when you're dangerous, there's I I heard um Jordan Peterson something Jordan Peterson said something amazing. I loved it. He said there's no virtue in being weak. It's your only choice. You virtue is about making the choice. Not because you're so weak you couldn't do anything else. And the thing about being a man, a virtuous man, is because you can commit violence and because you bring the thunder with your personality and who you are and your action, and you choose to be compassionate and fit into a world of women and children and gentle people, that's virtue. So I, 
I strive to be virtuous and I strive to couple people's horseshit statements like toxic masculinity. I force them to connect that to empiricism. Where, where do you get that? What do you mean by that? What do you mean toxic masculinity? Well, oh, you mean you had a boyfriend who hit you in college? Okay, that's not masculinity. That's a law-breaking violent criminal. That's not masculinity. Exactly. Just because he happened to be a guy. You know, it's funny. Um, I have a, a fellow that I know here in Canada who runs something called the Center for Men and Families. It's the only uh, advocacy group that works for men and their children in the entire country of Canada. Okay. And um, he read some startling statistics for me. So there are unfortunately far too many men that hit women. Okay. So domestic abuse of men toward women is a real thing. But here's a little known fact. There's almost as many women who hit and physically abuse men. Nobody That's ever right, freaking talks ask. about that. Right. Nobody. But, you know, look, at the two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, but the human endeavor is kind of messy. And we can't make rules based on the messy. That's being this reactionary, hyper-reactionary. And hyper-reactionary is a losing state of action. If you're hyper-reactionary in warfare, you lose. If you're hyper-reactionary in business, you fail. If you're only reactionary in your relationship, it's doomed to fail. And as a society, we can't be hyper-reactionary. That's for children. Oh, uh, uh. you know, men, uh, calm down. It'll be okay. That's not the norm. Calm down. You know, what's a man? A man in the face of fire stands his ground firm projects calm and strength. Why? Because cooler heads always prevail. A friend of mine uh, is Pat King. He was one of the organizers of the uh, Freedom Convoy. And he was arrested a week ago yesterday. He was denied bail today. Um, wow. Yeah. Like, he is in jail, denied bail. He's... Um, you know, he reminds me a little of you. You got a, you got a similar energy about you, similar big guys with beards. And he, he's he's missing a limb. He lost that working in mines, right? He, he, there he's was a man's man. He sounds like a man's he's man. He's a man's man, brother. He's a total man's man. <laughs> and Pat King stood up to do away with these abhorrent illegal mandates that Justin Trudeau, the illegitimate leader of our country. Now he's been elected, so I'll grant him that, but based on him trying to grab power and act like a dictator, he's no longer legitimate because he's, he is no longer acting like a democratically elected leader. Justin Trudeau decided he wasn't gonna talk to these people that their decision to um, not want to inject a foreign substance in their body meant that they were a fringe minority with unacceptable views. I'm sorry, in a free country, there's a whole lot of people who probably have misgivings about your so-called vaccine, which isn't a vaccine. It's more like a flu shot because it doesn't actually protect you. It mitigates the impact of the of the symptoms because I got COVID. Maybe. Yeah, I got COVID. There were four of us who got it out of five. Two had the, the shot. Two didn't. The two that had the shot had way lesser symptoms. So I'll grant that. But that was it. That was it. It didn't stop anybody from getting it. In fact, COVID was transmitted to us by someone who had the shot. So this damn yeah. shot didn't even stop the guy from getting it, didn't stop him from transmitting it. 
These guys were just fighting for the choice, the right to make a decision as to whether or do it or not. And Justin Trudeau, like a freaking tyrant, like 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 Hitler, who seems to be his favorite role model, because Hitler also uh, came into power elected. And then he brought into to place something called the Enabling Acts, which gave him temporarily authoritarian powers. Now, Justin gave up the powers, but we 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 were we were being hammered by this guy and his desire to, to knock us down. And civil rights leaders like Pat King and Tamara Lick are now being denied bail. They're they're languishing in jail in horrible conditions. And Pat's a man. He took it like a man. He surrendered himself to authorities. That's what men do. You, you know, know uh, Canada's got a major problem. OK, it's an emasculated country. And, uh, and, and, and it's got rough timber workers and oil, you know, it's got all these people living out in the wilds, you know, cause Canada's, a, you know, it's a wild country. It's a big, big wild country, It is, but it's been emasculated by effete, soft-handed liberals and, um, Passions, they're, destro- they're destroying the country. Well, they've, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So I just did a podcast about women and the right to vote, you know, as soon as men were uncoupled from their um, uh, draft obligation to serve their country in war, they started voting more left. As soon as the moment women had the chance to vote, they've always voted left because there's no accountability for feckless leadership. So if we, you know, we can't lead the nation from the heart of the home. You have your heart for the home and you have your brain for the nation. You can't lead the nation with the same pitter-patter heart you have for your children and your spouse because it's your job to protect them above all else the nation's got to have a little more rational approach and we've got people voting with their heart and those decisions they're not even ideal you know what does enabling soft treatment get you in uh, at the home front what gets you drug addiction it gets you kids who don't launch it gets you irresponsibility no accountability Non, and not being tough with your children, and I don't mean abusive, it, it's the core of who we are. And, and it's a biblical phrase, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. It didn't mean beat on your children. It meant hold their asses accountable. Yep. Because when a people do not hold themselves accountable, what we get is we get the Roman mob. And right now, Canada is the Roman mob. They have a duly elected leader who is acting like Caesar, imprisoning people who don't agree with him that, that if you if you said that out loud you say oh that's absurd that's exactly that's what's, what's happening that's what's happened yeah and 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 the reason it's happening you can look at canada and here's why a nation full of pot smoking beta males who are not assertive and i'm sorry that's the truth i've spent time up in canada i thought everyone was soft and i think the guys are all you know, Canada's known as being super polite. I think they're very passive aggressive when I do business with them. And there's a feminism that's taken over. And it's down here, too. I'm not saying we're isolated from it. But if you're talking about masculinity and maleness, do you know what saves Canada and saves your friend Pat King and what saves a country from Trudeau? Hmm. Is women being afraid of their children being sent off to war and being conscious of it. And men being conscious of how to protect their family. Well, Pat King was conscious of how to protect his family and how to protect other families 
Tamara, Chris Barber, all those guys, they they stood up. They did the right thing. And they're the exception. They're getting hammered for it. They are getting hammered for it. And yeah, I had Pat on my podcast, uh, my business podcast. And I got to tell you, after Trudeau announced the Emergencies Act, oops, we lost your video again, pal. Sorry, I'm 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 trying to find you right now. Hold on, it's all good. It's is. all good. You'll come, but I'll keep talking while you do that. So, the when the Emergencies Act was passed, they started saying they were going to go after the bank accounts of the people that donated to the Freedom Convoy. Well, I gave them money, <laughs> right? I did more than give them money, though, brother. I gave them money, and I had Pat on my show, and I told everybody to give them money. So I thought, hmm. Is Trudeau going to send some thugs to my house? Am I going to yeah. be dragged out of my house by jackboots yeah. with guns and batons? Am I going to be beaten in front of my children and my woman? <laughs> like, well, this is what happens. Look, they took away everybody's guns, and then this still—they will not come to a house in America to take you away. You got to do something real because they there's fear. The fear is, yeah, that you know, you at some point you got to ask somebody to go take somebody. And if cops who are really more us than them, yeah. cops are more like us typically, yeah. unless everyone who doesn't want to take a vaccine, you kick them out of the police force. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you get a bunch of compliant liberals. Yeah. But, you know, at some point you got to go ask a young blue collar guy to come to my front door. He's got to walk up my long driveway. He's got to get through my gate. He's got to knock on my big door with my big flag out front and a little sign that says, Best be friendly because my Second Amendment protects my right to speak on this land. You know, guys got to walk past that. And he kind of goes, eh, man, I don't know. This could go wrong. We're just going to take this guy. I don't know. And there would be gunshots all across this country because we're armed down here. The Second Amendment, uh, as much as it gets bandied about as a political political thing, but it's one of the legs of masculinity in America that defends it because it allows you to stand up to tyranny. That's what. I think that's what that's masculinity why, is. You know what? That's really well said. But that's why the Second Amendment is my favorite uh, yeah. of the rights enshrined in the Bill of Rights, because it's the one that guarantees all the rest. Without the Second Amendment, you really don't have anything else. These days, especially, the government is not the guarantor of those rights in the Bill of Rights. It's the Second Amendment that's the guarantor of those rights in the Bill of Rights. That's why the left, yeah. folks like Biden, want to get rid of it so badly. But that's why folks are not going to allow it to happen. I'll tell you, because of this so-called pandemic that we just went through, a whole lot of formerly left people are now big fans of the Second Amendment. You know? Yeah. I look at this whole thing as kind of interconnected. You know, uh, the First Amendment, uh, the right to basically free speech and assembly, it seems like you don't have to say it. It, it, the First Amendment shouldn't need to exist, but we have to slip our minds back to 1770, you know, what the king was doing, what, what, what the aristocracy and the divine right of kings had done. And you look at the preceding five centuries and then you go, oh, OK, <laughs> I see why they want free speech, the right to get together and pray. OK, got it. And then. You know, we've got all these amendments for uh, not incriminating yourself and uh, uh, being judged by a jury of your peers and, you know, all uh, not having to board and quarter soldiers and all of this. Well, all of that 
And the space carved out for attorneys and clients was way after the right to keep and bear arms. And they like to twist it around. But if you read Madison and you read the founding generation's thoughts on the Federal Second Amendment. Papers, yeah. Yeah, the Federalist Papers are really clear. It had absolutely nothing to do with hunting. It wasn't about self-defense. I always tell people, I go, this could bibble on that. Stop that argument. It is about stopping tyranny and the ability to stop someone from oppressing you. That's, That's the it. whole thing. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, you don't need that. No, I don't need that. But, uh, but just in case. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the Second Amendment. I think it's a fantastic thing. Um, we I don't have going it on in again. Canada. It's unfortunate, I, but you know, yeah. it's uh, it's a thing that um, I'm very glad exists in the United States. And you know, if Canada goes fully fascist, um, I'm going to stay here and fight because my family's here. But you know, I left Iran to come to Canada, and I can leave Canada too if I have to. It's not going to be yeah. a problem. Yeah. Well, Canada is a wonderful place and there's so many amazing things there and there's amazing people and amazing stuff. But uh, it's sad to see uh, another, yet another former British colony uh, uh, that's gone so soft and so left and so effeminized and, and is so injurious to its citizens. It's a uh, it's a crime. It's it's criminal to watch it happen. And they keep reelecting these fucking people. They just keep reelecting them. Oh, Trudeau, Trudeau could probably get well, reelected right now. No, he won't be. I'll tell you. I'll tell you something right now. The um, the invocation of the Emergencies Act really hurt him. He united pretty much the entire country against him. Um, here's what happened. He had the votes in the House of Commons. So we're in the parliamentary system. Right. So he ha he has the liberals are a minority government, but they have the support of the New Democratic Party, which is an extreme far left party that really is very Marxist. The leader of the NDP uh, traditionally has been a civil libertarian, but this time we have uh, a far left fascist, racist, Marxist guy who pretends to be an anti-racist, but is an actual racist. He supports Trudeau being in power, even though Trudeau wears blackface and mocks people that are brown and, and, and black skin. And this leader is a, is a brown skin man. So he's kind of a, you know, a brown Uncle Tom tell you the truth, because he's he's spitting on the faces of all his people by allowing this white supremacist, blackface wearing guy to be in power. And they had the votes there. OK, so they had the votes. But the way that the parliamentary system work is there's a Senate. Now, our Senate's different than your Senate in that it's appointed. And most of the senators or not most, the majority had been appointed by Trudeau. But he appointed, you know, left wing academics. He didn't appoint liberal partisans. That was a mistake on his part because these left-wing academics are all civil libertarians. They're horrified, horrified at what Trudeau uh, put into motion with the Emergencies Act. And Trudeau was about to lose the vote in the Senate. And if he lost the vote in the Senate, right, he would trigger a non-confidence motion in his government. Right. And then his government would fall and it would trigger an election. Now, here's the facts about an election happening in Canada today. In the last two weeks, Trudeau lost 10 full percentage points of support. He was at about 37, 38% support. He fell down to 28%. All that support went to the Conservative Party, who is now at 39%, okay? 39% of the vote in a parliamentary system versus 28% 
the conservatives were going to win an incredible amount of seats. So they would control the House of Commons, period, full stop, end the story. And he is clinging on to power by saying, oh, we don't need to have the Emergencies Act in place. He wanted to keep it in place. If he could have kept it in place, he would have. But the writing was on the wall, and that's why he backed off. And he's a he's soy a boy beta male. He's a cunt. And you guys have a sort of Supreme Court there. These folks are going to get let out of jail. Uh, it's just a long process. It's unfair. It's unjust. And I hope they sue the fuck out of the government for it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Well, if it was up to me, I'd line up. Uh, I'd line them all up and shoot every third one and say, do you think you can work it out now? I mean, that's I, I'm I'm at this point. I'm openly hostile to leftism because there are enemy and we've stopped pointing it out. We have to point out the enemy. These people, there are citizens, they've gotten wrongheaded and they're doing the wrong thing and they're destroying our nation. And while we sit by being Western, liberal, free, open-minded, while we're doing that, while while we're doing that, they're stealing our children, they're stealing our military, they're ruining our founding documents, and they're changing our countries. And they're not the countries I want to live in. No, 100%. And I'm telling you what, yeah, like... I'm not to the point where I want to shoot every third one yet, but I'll tell you this. I do believe that we need to call them what they are, which is the enemies of freedom, the enemies of the nation. And there's no no plain Mr. Nice guy with these people. There's no, No. okay, let's, 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 this is a liberal democracy. Let's do it the normal way. No more. They'll say we're extremists. They'll say we're fringy while they're taking people that don't agree with them and imprisoning them and ruining their lives. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. And anybody exactly who stands with them, anybody who stands with them, I'm I'm into it with them too. You know, I'm into it with anybody who stands with this craziness. Well, did I tell you about this book that I wrote with Wayne Allen Root? Great patriot no. protest and boycott book. So this no, is a but list. Please about- tell me, please tell me when you guys have coffee together. He says, "I am Root." <laughs> that would be awesome. I've never met him in person, brother. It's it's. Uh, We've become friends since the pandemic, just like you. We've never met in person, but that's good. I like that. This book is a list of 116 companies that are woke, and we call upon the American people to boycott them. So this book was an Amazon number one bestseller for a while, and I've asked Wayne to take it to- Is Amazon on the list? (laughs) No comment. (laughs) No comment. You're funny. (laughs) So um, the- the second companion book to this is going to be the Great Patriot uh, Bicot book. So we're going to have a list of 120 companies that are all patriotic. And we're going to write little biographies on those companies and encourage people to go buy from them. So that's the next- we, we, we are, uh, as a company, um, we're not using Airbnb anymore. And I motherfuck them at every turn because they've been canceling conservatives' accounts. Yeah. Um, after you've scheduled vacations, um, they'll cancel your account the day before you're uh, due to check in. Really? If you're conservative. Yeah, they're going after conservatives, like on purpose. Airbnb. Airbnb. God bless them. I know. So we're basically, you know, like and them and MailChimp. MailChimp is canceling and, and capturing mail lists of conservative companies. So that's messed I'm, up. I'm, I'm done with MailChimp, too. Yeah, they can eat a bag yeah. of dicks. 
Yeah. So what you can do is stop using those companies and, and tell people to stop using, which is what we're yeah. doing here, because companies yeah. are scared. They're caving into wokeness, not because they believe in it, but because they're scared and they think they have to. So we got to make them more afraid of the right and what the right can do to them economically. And that's one of the things we're doing. Secondly, you, you look for alternatives. I mean, well, the funny the funny part is there's an alternative to everything. There is. And wokeism is actually passe now. Like it was all the rage the last couple of years. It is not the rage right now. And we all know it's wrong. We all know it's silly. We've all had our friends and allies caught in the crosshairs. Me personally caught in the crosshairs. I mean, I don't give two fucks about purple haired heffalumps, who they're sleeping with or why they're in subs. I couldn't care less. I have no vitriol towards them. But now, after what they've been up to, <laughs> I consider them enemies now. If they're woke, they're an enemy. I'm done with them. 100% You know what they took? They took an open-minded, regular guy who's been very centrist, and they've made me a radical revolutionary. Like, I've turned into a radical revolutionary. I really am. I'm ready for the big show. And I was a moderate centrist. Now I'm not at all. I'm, I'm like, oh, you, you guys are abusive. Fuck you guys. They are abusive, and they need to be They need to be called to task for it. There's 100%. Yeah. Yeah, we we cannot compromise with the left. We gotta we gotta stop trying. We need to defeat it, them. It, we need to. De- you remember Ronald Reagan when he was president? They asked him, "So what's your strategy about you know dealing with the Soviet Union and the Cold War?" He said, "It's really very simple." You know, in his Reaganist voice, "We win, and they lose. We yeah. win, and they lose." I like it. That works for me. How'd you like my Reagan voice? Wasn't that good? (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. (laughs) So um, there's a mantra that's been crammed down our throats and it has been compromise. Uh, Compromise in and of itself is not actually good. Um, If you are right and someone is wrong, compromise means both of yours unwillingness to to enlighten yourselves. And you, you go to the middle, it is the place you do the least damage. Better to do nothing. Compromise is actually not good. We've been sold that. It's just not true. If your wife says, I want to kill the neighbor across the street. He was mean to our children. Do you compromise with her? What's halfway to killing your neighbor? If your spouse says, we have to have two Porsches and everyone should drive a Porsche. All people should have the finest road experience viable. It enlightens the human condition. <laughs> That's okay. Well, that sounds nice. That's insane. There's no compromise. How about, all right, every one of us, every other one of us gets a Porsche. Compromise on wrong things is compromising halfway to wrong. And when we're right, we've forgotten to stick up for what's right. You know, I was willing to get in fights when I was a kid. Uh, I got one clearance from my dad if I got into a fight. If I got into a fight over some punk-ass thing, my dad would whoop my ass worse than anybody in high school would whoop my ass. But if I got into a fight sticking up for somebody, it was a complete pass. No questions asked. There's Sticking up for what is right is the battle worth having. Compromising is a coward's way of not articulating your point and converting over the, the uninformed. We, we have to continue fighting for what's right. And the revolution is not over. 
every generation, there's a revolution going on. It just isn't with muskets. And we don't want it to get to muskets. But we have to keep fighting. And you can't fight if you believe idiots who've told you you're inherently bad. You can't fight if you believe the freest, most self-determined people who've ever walked the planet are bad inherently. How can you have the fight if you believe that silly shit? It's not true. Well, and so I, I talk to boys all the time. You know what? The number one thing I talk to American boys about is our early American history. And I let them know they're part of a long line of people who broke a chain of oppression and totalitarianism that lasted for a millennia. And, and we're the first free people on earth. And we couldn't all get free the same week. And we all got free within 100 years. Over thousands of years of humanity, we killed a quarter million of each other in this awful America of racism to liberate people more than it had ever been. And the whole world has found liberation in the wake of our audacity. I, I know you're up in Canada, but, you know, they, they've been taking uh, 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 prisoners and making slaves of Christians for 500 years across North Africa when Thomas Jefferson finally sent the first American flotilla over there for the Barbary Pirate Wars. Yeah. And, and the kings of Europe thought it was okay. <laughs> We've been liberating people for centuries. And, uh, and, a, and a revisionist twist on history devoid of covering that material, uh, it's propaganda to brainwash people into some postmodern, uh, 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 I don't know, maltopia. You know, speaking about standing up for what's right is at the heart of masculinity. The things that make a man a man, or a man keeps his word, the things that make a man a man, or a man stands up for principles that he believes in very deeply, and the things that make a man a man is that a man's all about freedom. That's the quintessential American ethos, is a masculine ethos. America was designed as a masculine republic, not a feminized democracy. It has devolved right. into a feminized democracy. And, you know, the funny thing is that... Um, Aristotle used to say that great nations start off as masculine republics and they slide into tyranny when they become feminized democracies. <laughs> and that's the truth. Yeah. yeah. And, the, you know, the founding generation, they were neoclassicists. Most of them spoke ancient Greek and Latin uh, and they could write and read it for sure. Uh, and, and that's what's happened. And that was part of the kind of spirit behind women not voting at the time. I mean, they were afraid of you know, we're doing this bold, amazing new endeavor. Let's do it. The, you know, we at least know guys who can get called off the war and guys who have to earn a living are going to be the most accountable. And accountable was the pivot on which this world turned, uh, being accountable. And as we, dis as we separate ourselves from accountability, um, we get more uncoupled from the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. You know, a woman can vote because she's never going to be sent to war. She can vote in any uncoupled, irrational way she'd like. As guys can now also, because there's no draft anymore. You know, when there's no draft, when you can't be called to account for the decisions your nation makes, then you can make kooky, uncoupled decisions that don't make sense. You're unaccountable. Well, I'll tell you, if we were to do a do-over on the idea of the united states you know if if the world goes in the war which which it very well might i mean you look at what happened this week russia invaded ukraine china is like flying its airplanes into taiwanese airspace 
It could happen. The, the United States has a really weak leader. In order to prove to everybody that he's not weak, he might push the button. You don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, and not, not just push the button. Put a bunch of 19-year-olds uh, 100 feet from each other at a border. You know what I mean? Dude, people don't realize we right now, and this is what I said when this election happened. I said, you know, it was basically middle-class white women who abandoned Donald Trump, okay? And he couldn't win big enough to overpower the messiness of our democracy down here. And uh, and, I, and I told them, so listen, you voted to send your boys off to work. And they don't know, you know, they're like, what? What do you mean? I go, okay, we'll be at a, I said, we will be in war before the administration leaves. We will be in war. And we are one year in. We are the closest to a big, this would be a world war. Sure, World War Three, World War Three. I mean, if America we, and Russia can, get involved in a shooting war, trust me, that is not going to stay contained. We've never, ever been this close to it. You know, we both had proxies going on in Vietnam. That was a that was a world away from Russia and the United States. We are now on the border with Soviet era countries. We've got NATO troops by the thousands going in to be a deterrent. And he's got a quarter million men with tanks and airplanes rolling across the nation. I mean, look, all it would take is one platoon commander to be a little off. And this happens in conventional warfare, all where you go the wrong direction five miles. Sure. <laughs> That's all it would take. It would start fucking world war. NATO has said that they will defend the territory, every inch of a NATO nation's territory. So yep. let's say Putin decides, OK, I, I took Ukraine. I want to take Latvia. Well, Latvia is a NATO country. He yeah. steps into Latvia. We got World it's War on. And, and the, you know, the thing is, is all we would have had to do was listen and engage him and say, hey, listen, Ukraine is a barely functioning country, even though Hunter and uh, Joe Biden took a lot of money from them. They're a barely functioning country. We're going to leave them as kind of a little safety bu buffer between you and the West. So we're never going to allow them into NATO. They're not really NATO worthy. And they really aren't. They're not a free functioning Western democracy. OK, so. Now what we've done is we 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 have um, by being abusive victors of the Cold War, we've expanded and pushed a rat into a corner, and they're lashing out. And the outcome of this is his border now. Instead of being on the other side of Ukraine, it's going to be right up in our face because he's keeping it. Well, that's I'll a, tell you that's this a right different now. Europe. Uh, Donald Trump. Were he the president, would not be facing this situation. This fucking would have never happened, man. Like Putin he, wouldn't he, dare cross the border. This is what the greenies don't understand. If you push an ideology separate and uncoupled from reality because you think it's an existential threat, you make other existential threats instead of 100 years in the future now. So... The first thing our president did when he got somewhat elected was cut off this pipeline from Canada. So now he's diminished the West's freedom to project its power into the world because now we're dependent on petrochemical terrorist states for oil. Saudi Arabia, terrorist state. The Middle East, all a terrorist state. Russia, a terrorist state. Iran, a terrorist state. I mean, 
basically oil is held by terrorist states and free states and we shut off the free states and we have no juice to energize our worldview. So we sit back and what are we within a year of cutting? It's all about that pipeline. It is all about that in the Nord Stream pipeline. It is about driving the price of oil above $100 a barrel. Saudi Arabia needs the price of oil to be somewhere around $82 a barrel for them to break even as basically uh, an oil welfare state. It's been sitting below that for years. Well, they don't cause any problems. They don't have any goddamn money. Same with Russia. Russia needs the oil above $75, $80, $90 a barrel for them to to have enough money for what they want to do. And now we've given them more. It was 105 a barrel this morning. While we're sitting on it over here with our legs crossed. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's a feminized, feminized environment that we're operating in. See, when men stand up for something, when they stand up for what they believe in, then they really make society a stronger, better place. So one of one of the thought leaders whose work I follow passed away a couple of years ago. His name's Stefan Arnio. He wrote a book called Hard Times Create Strong Men. Do you know that yeah, poem yeah. by Michael Hopf? You know, hard times create strong men, strong men uh, create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times. We're in the hard times period of life. We're in the hard times period of life right now. And I'm telling oh, you- Oh, not yet. Not we're getting yet. there. We're getting there. We're, we're in the we see it coming phase. We're not there yet. We see it coming, though. Yeah. Well, in Canada, we've experienced a bit of the hard times, you know, <laughs> <laughs> although 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 the tyrant boy decided to back off when he when he was clear he was going to lose the vote in the Senate. And you were talking about who should have the vote. Now, you know, I think that's <laughs> an interesting question because. In a, in a free republic, you don't want everyone to have the franchise. The people who should have the franchise are people who serve in the military. So if you're a veteran or you've been in the military, you should have the franchise. People who should have the franchise are people that own um, a certain amount of property, i.e. have a stake in the success of society. Yeah. And the people who should have the franchise are learned men and women. Learned men and women average Joe Jill person just because they were born that has never given a good gosh darn about learning anything shouldn't have the franchise. And that way the franchise is limited and the people that are selecting the leaders are the best people you have and not just the lowest common denominator. Well, the problem is in the United States, that formula doesn't hold true. The most learned people in the countries are stupid fucking lefties. The most, the more degreed you are, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about learning in terms of you have a university degree. That's not what I mean uh, by learning. So, right. who's a learned man? Greg Medford's a learned man. Why are you a learned man? You created a company. You built a, um, you built a a brand. You're a learned man. You know who else? Okay, is a so what you're man? saying is right. What you're saying is right, but we don't. We can't do it, and we'll never do it. And when we had that, we let go of it because we had that, and we let go of it. I know. So what's the real answer? Because I know the real answer. The real answer is that men need to be in charge of the school system. That's it. Saves the world. Women cannot be in charge of the children, not their education. Because education is about building our nation. You inculcate the values of nation, individuality, 
uh, responsibility, entrepreneurism, creativity. And those can only be done by men. Never thought of it that way. And, and, and it's doable. You know, men want to save the world. We don't need another man engineer. We need 10,000 men in schools being men. Pushing the principle, pushing the curriculum, and having the children go, God, he's my favorite teacher. And a picture of him when he was in Afghanistan up on the wall. That's what we need. You know what we should do? To save our nations, every man who served in Afghanistan or Iraq, we pay for them to go to college. Many of them have now. Many of them are a little listless. We double their teacher salary for them to go in the teaching profession. We just grant them the money from the federal government. That's a pretty brilliant and idea, actually. Never it would change that. the world. It would, it would just change the world. I like it. I, I want to noodle on that for a while. I want to sit with that for a while because I've never, ever thought of that myself. Never heard yeah. anyone else propose that before, but that's really good. Yeah. But I'll tell you something, man. If the hard times do come, if we do get into World War III, if we do have a civil war going and we get to do a do-over, man, I'm going to be at the front redesigning the Republic. And there ain't going to be no more universal franchise, baby. No freaking way. Well, I'll tell you what. If I get to do it over again, I will put women in the draft so they have the equal uh, uh, meat in the grist mill. And the other thing I will do is I will incentivize men to go into the gentle crafts because when you have men in the gentle crafts, the gentle crafts don't destroy the culture and you can enfranchise everyone and you don't need to be a plantation owner and you're inclusive, but you win on the merit of our ideas because our ideas are better. Their ideas are worse. And it's a, it's just anyone who tastes them both fully. You don't hear about conservatives becoming liberals. There's a reason why you can't go backwards from free. You know, liberals are intellectually constipated prisoners of ideology. Oh, amen. Well said, Greg, I got to tell you, I've really been enjoying this conversation. It's a very different conversation than some of the other ones you and I have had around business, but I, I and it's been equally controversial by modern standards, but I really like the fact that you're a, a thoughtful man, you're a deep thinker, you think about issues very deeply, and you know you you actually run a manufacturing company on top of that. So you're somebody who gets his hands dirty, and and yet you've got the soul of a poet and an intellectual. And I really appreciate that you've brought that to the show and brought that to the men. And before we wrap up, what? If there's one thing you wanted to leave the men listening to this podcast with in terms of a message, what would it be? Well, you see a guy like me, and if you hear a guy like me, you would expect me to side on disenfranchisement and elitism, which is what, Nikki, you were advocating during the rebuilding of the Republic. (laughs) And what you get is a moderate, inclusive, in touch with both sides who wants all counted man who provides a solution and not a complaint. Um, I don't have complaints. I have solutions. And I, you can save the Republic in 20 years by enfranchising men to be a part of the, of the soul of our nation and not relinquishing it to part-time, part-time house frows. You know, that's very, very powerful. That's very, very powerful. 
you, you're making me think, Greg. I got to tell you, and I really appreciate um, being made to think because thinking is the hardest work there is. That's mm. why so few people engage in it. Do you know why? I, I, it's because it, good thinking presupposes you're willing to accept that you're wrong. And, and so people, so many people, their ethos, their worldview is faith-based. You know, they, we're in a secular post-religious society, but everyone's worldview is still faith-based. And uh, I don't have faith in my worldview. I have faith in accountability. I believe accountability finds truth. So that's my altar that I will bow to is accountability. And I defer to that. And, uh, and then I have to look at things that are doable into the future to save my world. And it has to be inclusivity. Um, the real problem is our ideas are quashed. How do we get our ideas not quashed? Make them the core of who we are and they're inescapable. You know, make every young boy and every young girl appreciate liberty, freedom, and strong the, the strong masculine ideal. Uh, and and uh, that you hear, uh, you know, the men's movement from the 80s and 90s, those guys were talking about Robert Bly and Joseph Campbell and all of those guys. Uh, make that strong masculine ideal part of the ethos, not separate from. And then these kids grow up and they'll turn off Don Lamont and Anderson Cooper and all these um, defeat ding-dongs that are permanently wrong on the mainstream media. They'll turn them off because they'll be critical thinkers. Well, they are turning them off in record numbers. Right now, those people yeah. are being yeah. watched by very, very few people. And I, I don't believe that the majority of their audience is composed of men. I just don't. <laughs> well, it's an, it, the thing is, in a world split within three points, they, they, they talk to enough. You know, you don't have to talk to everybody. You know, you just have to talk to three to 5%. Well, they're, they're, that's pretty much about all they're getting these days, you know? Yeah, yeah. Three to 5%. But I do, I think, I think the, 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 the war is one, you know, you hear Nancy, the Nancy Pelosi's, you hear, it's for the children. It's for the children. It's not for the children. It can't be for the children. It has to be for the tribe. And the tribe, in order for it to survive, it has to have balance and equity in the ideas. And the only way that's going to happen is by getting veterans and getting uh, survivors and getting uh, not just... I'm in a public school right now where they're, they have disqualified... They're, they're short on teachers. They're short on fluent French speakers. They're short on science people. They're short on everyone because they've made so many state-mandated licensure requirements that subject matter experts are disqualified. And that's who's running our school system. It's the hall monitors from high school with their passes and their signatures and their papers, and they don't care about the outcome. Papers, bitch, papers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, it's been fun. Greg, it's been a fantastic conversation. So, folks, Greg Medford is the CEO of Medford Knife and Tool. They make amazing knives. This is the Marine Fighter Flipper. Uh, this particular one was uh, custom made for me. Greg's wife, Amy, was involved in it. I dedicated this knife to my father. It includes the, the dates of his birth and the dates of his passing. Look at this thing. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Greg, you're going to have to teach me how to, uh, how to loosen this puppy up a bit because it's, um, it's pretty tight. Just to get it across the Canadian border, you have to tighten it up for me. So you got to tell me that offline. 
it's a beautiful knife. Knives are wonderful things. Every masculine man should own a knife. Frankly, every feminine woman should own a knife. And a Medford knife is a beautiful thing to behold. I highly recommend them. I have five of them. This is one of my favorites. God bless you. Make sure that you pick yourself up a Medford knife and you listen to what Greg has to say, not just on this podcast, but on all the other places in which he expounds his views. He's a very thoughtful man, worth learning from, worth listening to. If they want to hear more of my rantings, uh, you can find me at the Greg Medford Show, iTunes and Spotify. You can also find me YouTube on my company channel. And I wanted to throw something out there because we're talking about uh, masculinity and the talismans. Uh, every little bit matters, right? Um, I, I make it one of my little missions whenever people come here from out of the country or from around the United States who are maybe not gun guys. I make it one of my missions to always take them shooting at least once. And it's an interesting thing. People that don't shoot and Canadians and Australians now, they find it kind of passe and old fashioned and kind of chuckle at the, the false ruggedness of it and the pseudo toughness of it. But I want to tell you an observation, and I think it bleeds over into knives and cutlery. If I take a little woman out uh, who's maybe been uh, assaulted when she was younger or She's been in a scenario where she was afraid of some big abusive guy who might have been yelling at her because she flipped him off. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it's interesting to watch the transformation. They initially don't want to go. And then I say, I basically bully him into going. I say, oh, bullshit. Just come on. God damn it. Come on. Let's go shoot a little bit. I'm waiting to see what it's all about. And they're afraid. And you give them a briefing on it. And they fire a couple of rounds. And you see them deal with adrenaline and little fear. And then you see girls should drop their shoulders and they start shooting and you hang out and you say, Hey, let's break. Let's have a little food. Let's shoot a little more. And you start seeing them empowered. Now I hear about it months later, they went and got their concealed carry permit in their home state. And I see their politics change. And there's something infectious about the truth. Mm. And there's something infectious about freedom. And when you embrace freedom, real freedom, which is spooky, personal accountability, reliance on no one. When you embrace that ethos, it doesn't just change your ideas about the Second Amendment in the United States. It changes your ideas about the First Amendment and how you vote and how you raise your kids and how you live your life. And that is what it's all about, us crazy Americans down here with all of our guns. Love it is a, the guns you have. It's a, it is a talisman. It is a talismans are important. It's a symbol that you can physically, viscerally, sensorily smell, hear, taste, and feel the percussion of it. You channel that power, and it liberates you. And you fear no man. And Samuel Colt made the great equalizer. It it allows you to stand equal amongst men, even when you're not with a pistol, even when there's no shooting going on, which is 99.99999% of life. It changes you. Just like going and doing your fucking ropes course or jumping out of an airplane and skydiving, you do these things to overcome your fears and yep. gobble the universe up because as you gobble it up, it becomes you. And like the Native Americans say, you get their power. You get the power of these things which you master. And when you bring that to business, family, relationships, life, how you vote, how you project your worldview out into your community, it changes it and it makes it better. And that's what we have to do 
as men and as women, everybody. That's powerful, Greg. I really appreciate you sharing that. So I didn't know you had a show. Text me a couple episodes. Do you ever bring guests on? Because if you bring guests on. I do on, all the time. Bring me on. I want to come on. I haven't done a remote guest, so I'll figure out how to do that. Oh, it's just I'll, do I'll it over my, Zoom, brother. Well, I'll talk to my, uh, you know what I'll do? I'm going to talk to my producer. I got a producer. I'll talk to him on Tuesday yeah. and we'll uh, see how to do it. It's really simple. That's how I do it is I get you on Zoom. I record it. I drop it in Dropbox for my guy. He, he does his magic. And it magically appears. Look at you. Now you can go to the Greg Bedford show and check it out yourself. I'll do it. I'll do it. Thanks, man. That's great, man. I'd love, I'd love to come on your show. Let's let, let's make it happen. Okay. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother. And hey, man, it's time to get me a smooth criminal. So maybe I should. I know a guy. You know a guy? Get, yeah, get, her, her name's Amy. Talk to her. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 have Amy and I talk. That's that's okay. missing from the collection. I got awesome. one of the last two big to fail uh uh Fixed blades that you got, man. I love that knife. That's a fantastic cool. knife. Glad you like it, man. All right, man. Be well. Ciao, ciao. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.